And so one of the one of the, the things that we have found difficult, I think, is, is that everybody wants to get involved with the circular economy because they can see the the benefits of it. Yet when we present ourselves, say, as circular computing, the brand to them is new, and then building up that brand integrity has been one of the things that we've invested in significantly and continue to do so. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Business of Circularity. I'm your host, Stuart Hillhouse. How many personal computers do you think you will have over the course of your career? Well, if you get a new one every three years, which is fairly common amongst most private corporations, that would mean you'd use about 14 computers over the course of a 40-year career. And that doesn't even include smartphones, tablets, monitors, mice, keyboards, or any of the other accessories that go along with modern workspaces. My next guest works for a business that for the last 25 years has been remanufacturing computers so that a perfectly capable piece of hardware can see a second life before it needs to be disposed of. He's advised the British Standards Institute to set the standards of end of life for electronics. Now, here's my conversation with Stephen Haskew from Circular Computing. Thank you very much, Steve, for uh, tuning in and uh, getting on the line with me. You are currently calling from the UK with, from a company called Circular Computing. I'd love to hear a little bit about where the company has come from and uh, what your involvement is with them. Okay. Uh, well, the company is over 25 years old. It was formed off the back of large companies needing to dispose of their obsolete technology. And this in the main was, was set about when the mainframe computer became a PC. Uh, this is before the internet. And Windows technology became, became a current way of, way of working. What it basically meant, though, was that uh, the hardware had to keep up with the soft, software developments, meaning that there was a regular regular sort of refresh of, of IT and, and this was the way year on year on year on the back of that then finance companies were able to to structure lease agreements uh, so companies could finance their their IT and then they went through like a natural natural three-year three-year cycle and this has been the way for what, what would be a generation and then this has led to a a linear economy so the business was founded off the back of dealing with other people's electrical waste as they saw it but quite frankly there was a massive market or a remarket for for obsolete or second-hand technology and this company became very specialist in remarketing assets that were no longer needed by what would be the developing uh, world into what would be back then the the developing world and uh, and that and that was the backbone of the business right so so as a so an enterprise like a large company uh, it's a commonplace tool that every single employee now has a laptop or some type of personal computer to do their work on. And as a result, they need to buy thousands of them a year sometimes for new employees and then update the ones that are no longer relevant. Is relevant the right word or is it that they've, why would someone get rid of a, a laptop in a corporate setting, I guess? Well, you see, that's a really great question in itself. They would get rid of a, uh, something that wasn't supported by warranty or maybe come to the end of its finance agreement. What we found is that most uh, technology, particularly when we, we hit 2013-14, is actually fast enough to do the job required by most corporate, corporate organizations. And that's where it became interesting for us because 
we could then take product that was no longer needed. We have a processing uh, a factory that, that remanufactures the product back to a new state. And then we can deploy it back into the same company with, with, with a warranty that, that they can rely upon so that they're not exposed to a, a, an IT risk, if you like. But predominantly, the, the large corporates would, would, in the main, trust the advice of the manufacturers from whom they were buying. So rather than perhaps make a strategic choice as to what they need, they were given a choice as to you can have A or B, and they would select one or the other. So th that behavior pattern became linear. And we're seeing a change where we're looking at, say, device as a service, perhaps in the current, in the current market, changing how people view their, their use of, of IT. Yeah, absolutely. I've had a guest before and his headphone company is, is as a service. So when you, it's a membership per month. And so on a consumer level, we've seen that before. Is this a fairly new idea at the corporate level to have entire assets leased? Or I guess that's what it was before, but to have computers as a service, is that, is that a new concept at, the, at such a large level? Well, I think when you look at a, a, a single unit of anything, so if you have a look at a consumer, that could, that could be you, to try and influence your buying decision is actually quite an easy one. But where you have um, the complexities of large corporates whose individual behaviors are very different to their neighbor, let's say, and then you, you look at the scale upon which they've got IT. If you took, for instance, the large, the large four accounting companies, say PwC, KPMG, Ernst & Young, Deloitte's, Combined, they have a million devices in their organization around the world. Mm -hmm. So for them to move from a, a linear type uh, consumption model to a circular or subscription-based uh, uh, consumption model is something that requires, A, a heck of a lot of planning. Uh, B, it'll be disruptive, so make sure you get it right. So there has to be a, pilot, a piloting of, 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 the, of the service rather than the, the product. And then, and then see, uh, see a rollout. So you need to make sure that you're working with the right partners, uh, and, and also you, you currently have commitments to, to your operations and to your suppliers to enable your existing uh, environment to work. So it's complicated at the, at, at, the, at the corporate level, not so much at the consumer level. Right, right. Yeah, there's a lot of things on play. We'll come back to the, the business model. But before we do that, I'd like to hear about your past and where you were introduced to the circular economy. So you're actually a real estate developer in a, in a previous life. Yeah, so 25 years ago, I was doing uh, my MBA, and um, as I said, I, I was I was I was buddied up with a, a large pharma operations director of a large pharma co, and his problem was uh, getting rid of his mainframe technology. So I wrote my uh, dissertation around his problem, and from there created a business, uh, and with that business, the founder of Circular Computing those years ago, 25 years ago, was actually a customer customer of mine. Um, as it happens, the internet came along, and at that time, I couldn't really make sense of the threat of it to, to our business. But, but, but fundamentally, it did change a lot of things. It, it, it allowed people to access a lot more information a lot more quickly. Perhaps I felt my value within what I was offering diminishing, even though it probably wasn't in, in hindsight. And I, I teared my company up to be bought by a finance company. That finance company then allowed me to, to understand money and how that worked. Uh, and capital. I then went into real, real estate um, finance and, and development and then rolled the clock forward about 20, 25 years. Um, the, the founder of Circular Computing phoned me out of the blue and said, did I know about the circular economy? Um, and literally I, I, I turned, I said, I said, I don't know. So we talked through it and what was a 20 minute conversation led to about a four hour conversation. 
Uh, he said, look, if you're really interested, come and jump on a plane and we're going to go to see our clients in Sweden and talk about this and IT. You might find it very interesting. And as a consequence of that conversation, my career changed tack again back into my career became circular. So what I was doing 25 years ago, kind of did a full circle and I went back into what I did my, 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 my education in. And I'm finding it very rewarding. So a lot of the things that the circular economy and, and sustainability and procurement within sustainability means kind of runs true to my own DNA. So I found a, a purpose within the job role that I, I find myself in, which is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. What was it called before the circular economy? What was your dissertation? It, it, I guess it was, it was semi-circular. The circular economy really has been founded off the back of the work by Ellen MacArthur and, and organizations that align, align with her organization. The, it, it was, there was just a, a linear buying habit. So what would generally happen is, is if you took those, those top four accountants, you, know, you have a million devices going in and out of a company, a companies within a three-year block. That's a lot, of, um, lo- a lot of technical management at the disposal end of life. So having, having a system set up so that you can reverse the reverse logistics mechanism into the operation. So when you manufacture something from new, it's actually quite, quite a binary thing. It starts life in the ground, it gets mined, it gets made, and it gets delivered. When you want to dispose of something, so you have a million devices in those four organizations, you have everything's very loose, there's lots of cables involved, there's lots of te- different technology, you have data on the drives to sort of be aware of. And it's actually quite a messy environment. And actually, a lot of people don't value the, the technical competence required to make good somebody's waste. And mm. it's, now, it's now becoming quite, a, it's quite in the public eye now with regards to e-waste and, and the management of, of, of someone else's waste. Just because you don't want it doesn't make it waste, is how I would phrase that. Yeah. Someone else's, or your waste can be someone else's treasure as long as you're putting a value to the, the raw materials that make it up that component or the, the opportunity to refurbish it into something that someone else would still have value for. hundred percent. Just because you don't want it doesn't mean someone else doesn't want it. Yeah. So you've also done some advising for the British Standards Institute. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. I, for my sins, I sit on a steering committee at BSI, which is called TDW4 is its technical, technical term. Essentially, what it does is it sets the standards for um, what happens to a computer product after it has come to the end of its uh, natural first life, mm. and that na- end of natural first life is when someone no longer wants to ha- no no longer wants to use it. So it defines refurbishment, uh, remanufacturing, and resale, and and uh, remanufacturing is is a is a new word. It's, it's, it's a, a new uh, state, and it's a state that circular computing has has designed. So when we you know, if you go to eBay or Amazon, you can, you can look up secondhand computer and you're given a variety of choices from a variety of different vendors. Some are, some are Mrs. Miggins in her back bedroom and some are, some are, some are bona fide companies and, and others aren't. And it's very difficult for a buyer to understand where he puts his, his buy side risk, as we would call it. And he, will, he, will, he or she will generally put a, a price based on their understanding of, of risk when buying something not new. So the last five years, what we've been doing at Circular is building a, a factory that remanufactures back to new. So it takes all buy side risk off the table mm-hmm. for the buyer. And generally at this, at this time anyway, we, we sell uh, business to business. So if you're looking as a business to buy one or a thousand or 10,000 of, 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 of a similar asset type, so 
laptop one two three it's very difficult to do that if you if you don't know what you're doing and so what we're able to do is to provide a, a strategic environment for for large users of of laptop technology and so the standardization of what is an acceptable amount of risk for the consumer and what is an acceptable amount of remanufacturing or refurbishment is that something that's holding back the the adoption of circular economy is that or is it something that once enabled will allow for more companies to be begin moving into that space i think that's interesting so this, if we accept that the circular economy is going to be disruptive yeah mm -hmm. Uh, one 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 could argue that the the large tech giants who are who are currently controlling the linear economy have an interest in maintaining a linear linear economy because it's in their interest to do so. So that would be a restraining factor. And then you have a look at uh, if you had a look at say a yellow plant uh, company, do you know Caterpillar. Yeah, like the large uh, heavy equipment manufacturer. Large, the, the, yeah, the large diggers. So if, if you're the manufacturer of the original and you're the remanufacturer of the original, your brand carries the, the, the weight to allow the market to say, okay, well, if, if it's remanufactured by Caterpillar, I'll take it. If it's new by Caterpillar, I'll take it. So they have the, right. the, the, the years of brand experience. And so one of, the, one of the, the things that we have found difficult, I think, is, is that everybody wants to get involved with the circular economy because they can see the the benefits of it yet when we present ourselves say as circular circular computing the brand to them is new and then building up that 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 brand integrity has been one of the things that we've invested in significantly and continue to do so you know we recognize the fact that we are not apple or dell or, or lenovo or, or hp you know we we resell their products under under our, our badge yet the customer has years and years and years of of trust with those four brands and they buy into the, the 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 value that those brands make them feel which is safe and secure and so the, the circular economy moves somebody away from from that state of normality into a different state and 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 that's what they need to try and figure out right so how is your how is your positioning in terms of marketing or been to be seen as a co-brander rather than as a new company. Um, that's that's a good question. Well, we 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 bookend ourselves with the manufacturers. So we when we present, we normally have uh, one or two of the OEMs alongside us. And listen, what the OEMs are doing, OEMs being original equipment manufacturers. Sorry, what the OE, what the OEMs are doing is, is magnificent. You know, they have a, a legacy to protect. They have. You know, they have billions of dollars worth of, of supply chain below them that rely upon, upon their business to, to feed them, make taxable dollars. You know, and, and when we look at the circular economy, this is a generational play. It's not going to happen in a, in, a, in a month or a year or, or two or five years. It's just something that takes time. Additionally, you've got organizations like Circular who, who believe in what we, what we believe in to the point where we have invested our, our, our shareholder capital into building what we believe the future is. So we've kind of gone along the lines of, well, we'll build it and they'll come. It, it makes economic and sustainable, sustainable sense to, to work within the confines of the circular economy. Mm. You know, for instance, we, we know that, say, lithium-ion batteries, which are in every, every mobile device, mm -hmm. requires core elements from, from the Earth. And we also know that the earth is running suspiciously low on, on various elements. So either science is able to change and create 
a different form of uh, rechargeable battery, which mm. seems unlikely, um, or we're going to run out. And so sustainability from our point of view, of course, you can look at climate change and things like that, but from sustainability from our point of view is literally m not remaking what has already been made, take what has already been made and do something with it. So a really right. good example might be, you know, your son or daughter on a, on a Sunday comes in with a football, it's empty, you know, it's blow, it's, the air has gone out of it. You don't naturally go to the, the store and buy a new football. You get a pump out and you pump out, up the football up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's tons of examples of other yeah. products that are repaired and, and reused. Yeah, exactly. So it's just that we have, as consumers, personal and corporate, gone to the linear economy because they've got us onto a, a subscription. If you take Apple iPhones or an iPhone, not, not just being descriptive to Apple, you know, they'll sell it to you for 50 bucks a month. And then in 18 months time, you get a brand new one and it's still 50 bucks a month. So you're, mm -hmm. you're getting used to spending 50 bucks a month and you feel great for a short time about having a new product. And you take your old Apple phone and you stick it in the drawer or you do something with it, maybe sell it. But it doesn't give you any more than you currently had in real terms. Mm -hmm. So uh, consumer behavior is the thing I think that I've learned that, that needs to change within the circular economy. It's possible and, we, and we, we're right in the middle of, of, of proving that that is the case. But it's just... Uh, down to consumer behavior. Yeah, yeah. Can you speak to just how large the the problem of electronic waste is in the in the industry? Of course. So I would say I would tell you there's 160 million laptops made every year, and out of the the three categories of laptop, desktop, and tablet, the laptop market is the one that's set to be uh, stable for the coming three or four years. We have data on that. There's 100 million uh, disposed of annually in the, in the regions of North America and, and Europe. So that's 160,000 a day in each, in each zone. And in terms of waste, there's 50 million tons of e-waste annually. Uh, and that's a growing figure. So as, as, as more and more people are, are, are going to sort of swell the, the, the global population, and then you drop into that the Internet of Things, and technology needing to sort of keep up with itself, we see that that figure growing. But but we believe that uh, kind of core technology, mature technology like 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 a laptop, has the chance to have a really good second and third and possibly fourth life mm. if you if you adopt a a servicing mentality. So an example might be you wouldn't buy a car, drive it for three years. It gets a flat tire you have to throw the keys away and buy a new car you know you're programmed to look after your car every year you take it for service every year so why can't the thinking be okay well if i want my technologies to last maybe 10 years then why couldn't i adopt the same the same level of thinking mm -hmm. and i think it's also important to point out that we might not know exactly what materials go into making a laptop like to me i'm just i, I know it's a tool and it works for me but I don't know how many, I don't know what kinds of materials are required to allow the circuitry to work, the, the display, all the batteries, because there's a lot of rare earth metals in the components that make up laptops. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. That is correct. And, and it's in the name. <laughs> They're rare earth minerals, right? But so yeah. if we're going to continue to use them as the, the, the building blocks that this technology works on, and we're going to use this technology every single day in, in the hands of every single person, we need to make sure that we're we're reusing them when if when possible 
Correct. Yeah. So I think if 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 we step out of the emotional feeling that the the brands make us feel great about having the latest, because mm-hmm. you know you you're ahead of your social network or your peers or whatever, you have the late. Once you get around that and you th- and you think through the the dynamics of, of of actually what's happening sort of below the line, there's a lot of there's a lot of reason why you would not want to change your technology as often as you would if you, if you actually knew the true cost of, of buying your IT. It's not, it's not about the, the economic cost. If you want something enough, you'll always find the money to buy it. Mm-hmm. That's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if you look at, say, Cobalt, which is in the go back to the lithium-ion battery, 50% of that comes from the DRC, the, the Democratic Republic of Congo, in Africa, which is a really, really big country. So to get it to get to it from from uh, my office in England, I'd have to go to I'd have to go to Greece, and that would be the width of the DRC. It's an incredibly wow. big country, yeah. But they they supply fifty percent of the world's uh, cobalt. Yet it's a it's a war zone. It's controlled by the, a corrupt and, and, and a military state, where where young children as young as six are going down to sort of mine with their bare hands the cobalt that goes into your into your phones. It's called a blood mineral. And the, these blood minerals then get polluted into the, 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 the normal, if you like, clean cobalt and inevitably ends up in technology. And, and that is driven by consumer demand for, for, tech, for, 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 this, for, this, for this mineral. Mm. The, so the supply chain that we typically would think of for uh, a linear laptop would be raw, min- raw materials, processed, put into the component. Then all those components are brought together and the whole laptop is, is, is assembled somewhere and then shipped and then distributed to individual consumers. What does, so my question is, what does a remanufacturing supply chain look like and where does, where does it differ? Okay. So the, there are critical components that the consumer demand may ask us to replace like a battery. So Mm -hmm. after, after three years, a laptop battery tends to de- degenerate to a, a poorer state than a new one. So when we get a product, the product is completely disassembled. It is then all the parts are checked. So that the, if it, in, in terms of the supply chain, we don't look to the, the mine and the refineries for our product. We're looking, we're looking up the supply chain so the products already exist. So if we need to replace the screen because it might be cracked or replace the keyboard because it's, it's broken, or replace the battery because it's, it's it's not fit for purpose. Then we will go to the the supplier of finished product to to source those to to fit into the laptop. Right, and then where does so where are you getting your inflow of used laptops? Well, there there lies there lies the Aladdin's cave. <laughs> the Aladdin's Fair enough. Fair but enough. I can, what I can tell you for twenty five years we've become the largest consumer of um, second user laptops in the main. They will come from a large corporates. They will come from leasing companies. So the large corporates might use a, a particular leasing company, and then we will have arrangements with those large leasing companies to to take back from them for remanufacture and then and then remarket. So that the it's fair to, it's fair to say that the the i the IT market, the laptop market, is 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 as mature as the sale of new products. So there is a massive aftermarket for for technology. And you only have to go to Google or Apple to see that. I don't know um, how that looks in the US, but in, in the UK, there's, there's, there's sites like Music Magpie. And I guess in, I guess in the US, you've got SoftEgg, organizations like that, where you can just go there and have a, obviously Amazon. 
the market's massive for second user product, but it's very difficult for the go. I'll go back to the risk analysis. It's very difficult for the consumer to understand risk where he doesn't know the seller. And even if, when you look at people like Amazon and uh, eBay and, and Softeg, perhaps, you know, they're just a shop window to other people's products right now. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you consider yourselves then uh, really just kind of a manufacturer then. You're, you're not on the sales side and you're not on the mining side. You're the manufacturer putting it all together. Yeah, we brand ourselves as the first uh, secondary equipment manufacturer. And we, we think like a, a manufacturer. We operate like a manufacturer. We, we take our responsibilities of our product like a manufacturer. We're audited by uh, an organization called the RBA or the Responsible Business Alliance, which is, which is some, some, something that a very large organization put together by the world's leading OEMs like Samsung, Toshiba, Apple, Dell, and so on, to help them audit and take care of unethical supply, environmental matters, management concerns, and putting together a, system, a management system that allows, allows a, a buyer to be comfortable that what they're buying from you is produced in the most, in the most ethical manner, mm-hmm. which is a considerable cost in both time and, 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 and capital, but it's something that we, we embed into our business to make sure that when we're talking to somebody, they, they actually believe what we're saying. We, you know, we do actually walk the walk. Yeah, and so tell me a little bit about your, so you have a factory then? We have a factory that has uh, 300 engineers right, right now. We have the ability to uh, output uh, 10,000 units a month. Um, we're just in that kind of scaling up uh, period. So I'm just uh, personally writing the, the three, year, three to five year strategic plan to look at how we do that, um, who we're going to partner with. Uh, we're looking for collab- collaborative partners who can value what we're, what we're producing and, 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 and promote that within their, within their sales channels. And currently your your market is in in europe then but you are is it a plan to to move across the world okay so we we launched this week in north america with an organization called synex they are a fortune i think a fortune 250 they turn over like 24 million dollars uh, 24 billion dollars they're a very big concern and for 18 months they spent their time doing due, due diligence with us and our product and making sure our, our code of contact sort of sort of runs parallel to their own and we launched actually today in Greenville, uh, South Carolina, with them. Uh, we're, we're already about 12 months into Denmark, um, Sweden, the UK, which is where we are, and uh, Holland and, and Belgium. So we are now at that, at, that, at that stage where we're looking to scale up. Yeah, that's amazing. Congratulations on, on moving into North America. That's, that's a really exciting partnership to create. And... I'm sure a lot of work was done on both sides to get that going and, and to find a partner that believed in the cause just as much as, as you did. To be honest, the, the, there's, two sides to, there's two sides to the coin. One is the, the, the IT part, uh, which is important. The IT has to, the technology has to do what we say it does. Otherwise, the user is compromised. And whichever way we like to think about sustainability and what that means emotionally and, and the, the do good part of that. If the technology doesn't do the job and the user's being asked to compromise, particularly operationally, they're being put at, put at a disadvantage. And so we've had to work hard on making sure operationally every, every customer gets a, a user experience that they're not compromised on. When I say compromise, against new. So we, we, we sit alongside the, the, big, the big manufacturers and, and the, you know, the, the, the quick two senses is they can save 40%, they can help save the planet, 
Uh, for every laptop that we sell, we, we plant five trees. So with Synex, we have commitments to plant over a million trees in the, ne- in the next few years in California, you know, mm-hmm. so sort of had to help balance off the wildfires that, that you guys have. Um, you know, additionally, as a business, we invest heavily into renewable, renewable energy projects, which makes us a carbon neutral company. So we, like, we know we, we can actually tout the fact that we're able to supply carbon neutral product because every product that is sold creates about 380 kilos of co2 at the production end and so for three laptops that's a ton mm-hmm. think of it like that and to kind of frame what a ton of co2 looks like a ton of co2 will fit into a 1250 square foot house or 125 square meters so maybe a small bungalow or, or something mm-hmm. like that a, sing- mm-hmm. a single tier house so if, if you know that information and you don't want that that co2 to be produced then you can make a decision about buying a sustainable solution which doesn't produce that and in fact it has a reverse a reverse of that because of our renewable energy investments and the 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 reforestation initiatives we have yeah and and that's that's the exciting part so the the, 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 we spent five years looking after the tech and making sure that we ironed out all of the problems from the consumer from the consumption end and then we looked at okay well how can we make the the sustainability part how can we really align our our dna to those of our of our customers what what what's going to make them want our product more than the product itself and that's that's where we have a commercial agenda which is the tech and we have a sustainability agenda which is educating the world about why why it has a a part to play in reducing climate change managing resources um and and you know and, and water management and all of the things that happen in production if they've already happened once it doesn't have to happen again if you if you have a a different different viewpoint on, on what your needs are yeah, and I think that you you bring up a really interesting point about the your product still needs to do what what we expect it to do. So if you're competing against new products, it needs to do just as good as the new products. And the other things are are nice to haves, but obviously align with the the purpose of the company. And so if you're if you're in any type of market, your product still needs to do everything properly. Yeah, of course. I mean, what I can say, uh, we have we have benchmarking tools that we use a, a universe. Or we use we work alongside a university in, in the UK called Cranfield. They're an engineering university of excellence here, uh, and we work with them to to benchmark our products against new. And what that actually means in real terms is, is there's a ninety ninety seven percent performance rate. So we we drop three percent against the speed of a new machine. But what that actually means is, is, is you wouldn't notice it in, in the office environment. You know, it, it, it emulates um, surfing the web, Netflix, buying, buying things on eBay, creating Excel spreadsheets, Word documents, publisher, and so forth. It, it emulates all of that environment. So it'll, it'll emulate a person throughout the course of a day and a week. And then it benchmarks, benchmarks a brand new product versus ours. And we're 97%, which is not even a bat of an eyelid. You wouldn't notice it. No. No. So, so I'm happy to say, look, you know, our, our products will stand toe-to-toe. Technology has reached a, a plateau now. So if, if I go back to 25 years ago, when it, was a, when it was a basement and a big computer in a basement, and there was a cable, and there was a screen on a desk, that was the mainframe. And all, all that's happened now is in 25 years, the, the mainframe's in the cloud. They've done away with, the, um, they've done away with the, the cables, and everything's about the connectivity to your data in the cloud, and it's about the speed of the broadband. And therefore, you know, so long as the technology can hook onto that 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 bit of uh, bit of broadband, then you're away. So it could be, either be your mobile, your tablet, your desktop, or, or your laptop. 
it's the sort of that, and that's where as a service comes in that's why that's interesting for us for, for tomorrow and that's where, where i think the company's going to be heading yeah i'd like to ask you a little bit more about that so you mentioned tablets and desktops earlier in the in the conversation and that's a market that you're not pursuing by choice correct we're not at the moment but it's not something that we're not when we have an eye on it the the tablet market and the desktop market are shrinking over mm-hmm. the coming years primarily i think because the 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 two-in-one laptop and the the hybrids feel like they're going to replace replace them but it's not something that we're going to rule out no absolutely and then what about cell phones or smartphones so the cell phone market is actually, even though it's a younger market than the, than the laptop market, is, is quite mature in terms of the remarketing value. And, and that's because you can get a really good last generation model, which is 12 months old. So if, yeah. if, 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 if as users, we take a 12 month, 12 month contract and you buy, you, know, you buy last generation, you're only going to be 12 months behind the curve which actually is, is not an awful lot. You know, it's four quarters or you know, it's, it's not a lot. Whereas with, with desktop and laptop technology, you are going to be three years behind. So the competition in the mobile market has, has proven that that market is sustainable. And there's a lot of uh, really good things happening there from, a, from a, a reuse point of view already. And I suspect that that will be a market that we won't enter into. No, that's great. What are some of the, the the challenges that you're experiencing right now as you scale into new markets and and really refine your your delivery? I think not necessarily in this order, but the the first one is uh, the consumer attitude towards uh, second um, second life is second best mm. is the first one. So imparting our knowledge is a big part of our story allowing people to understand that the choices they make today will impact the future for tomorrow. And, and that's not, that's not sort of a BS kind of, kind of statement. They actually do, you know, whether it's, whether it's the, the, the thinking that minerals and, and resources will last forever because they won't, whether it's the fact that the climate change isn't happening because it is, you know, so that the decisions we make from a consumption point of view will really impact the decisions for tomorrow. And of course, I mean, IT, IT only represents 2% of, of global CO2 output. Okay, so, so it is a small fraction. But if we were able to make a, an impact in that fraction and everyone else is able to make an impact in their piece, mm-hmm. then, then we're, we're on the path to something good. You know, the 2% of CO2 output that the uh, IT industry is responsible for is the same as the airline industry. So that puts that in, 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 into perspective. So changing behavior towards, towards re- buying reuse, moving the public sector who are responsible for 35% of, of IT uh, purchasing to move them away from a linear type procurement model into, into one that considers reuse. Uh, that's our, our, our number one challenge right now. So we're, we're, you know, we're after winning uh, a number of, of fairly large central government contracts that will uh, really help embed our our circular business model into into either North America or, or Europe. Yeah, that's 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 a huge market and and one that there'd be very few decision makers. So you just it would take a long time to get that that due diligence done. Yeah, but there's the thing because if if we recognise that 2030 is a is a landmark date, particularly with climate change, with the Paris Agreement, you know. I had a, a meeting, a uh, presentation in front of a, a bunch of people in uh, in in uh, Denmark a few, a few weeks ago, 
and they were showing me slides from 2013, 2014. And I'm like, okay, look, if, 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 we, if we're here to talk about 2013, 2014, and mm -hmm. 20, 2030 is a significant date for the world with regards to global warming, you've already used a third of the time up. If in another four or five years I'm coming back talking about the same thing and you're talking about my slides in, 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 in 2024, 2025, you failed. Mm. You know, and, and there's the thing with, 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 the, with public office is they need to be brave and they need to try and break this, their system and, and they need to kind of put the neck out a little bit to understanding alternative solutions for, for hitting these, these certain dates that central government have or in certain parts of the world haven't committed to with regards to climate change. Yeah, yeah. This seems like a, a good area to wrap up. I've got one more question for you around other products, because as someone who's spending all your effort thinking about laptops and how the IT industry can, can be updated, have, have you come across any other products that, that, uh, that someone might use in, in a day-to-day -day that could uh, benefit from having that remanufacturing process that's not being considered yet? That's a good question. There's a company, uh, there's a small island off, off the UK called... Um, the Isle of Wight it's not far from my office here and there's a uh, a clothing manufacturer on there called Rapa Nui and I buy I buy my t-shirts from Rapa Nui they have a circular economy business model for t-shirts and, and for their clothing so it's slightly more expensive as, as a person anyway I, I, I make sure that I know the the ethical and sustainable code of conduct for every every organization I personally buy from but with Rapa Nui they're, they're a small company they're growing fast uh, they have ethically produced cottons. Uh, and when I don't want a t-shirt anymore, I send it back to them. They give me a credit and they, I buy another, another same design probably from them or it can just be a plain, a plain one. So, so that for me is a, a massively uh, successful circular economy business. Yeah, we're, I'm seeing a lot of them in uh, North America as well. And it's, it's, it's really, really exciting. I look, in the, I look in forward the fashion, to In the fashion industry. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a few few guests on the show so far have been more on the raw material side of it, but I'm mm -hmm. hoping to hear from the the actual finished product in the future from from companies that are doing similar stuff. And I think that's the model that really can work in the future if you incentivize returning, right? And it's all about kind of changing consumer behavior and offering incentives in a way that have never been before. So rather than maybe offering the t-shirt for cheaper it's a little bit more expensive because you get another teacher in the future so there's there's that long-term thinking uh, is rewarded yeah and also you get a sticky customer so there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong with, with paying more so long as you can put your value on on what that means to you mm. i think fashion has a big part to play by the way in in the circular economy and, and getting people shifting shifting their behavior as you say towards sustainability once that once that kind of retail therapy moves more into a a, a mature state then, then we're cracking things. But I do think it's a generational play. Yeah, yeah, no question. Well, thank you very much, Steve, for taking the time. I uh, it was a very new new industry for me, so I thank you very much for enlightening me on the, the the struggle, on the challenges, but also the huge opportunity. Because, I mean, I'm talking to you from a laptop right now, and you're on a desktop over there. So there, it, you touch it every single day, and then you don't always think through the end of life or what it could be. So yeah, listen, Stuart, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. Great. Cheers, Steve. Thank you. Cheers. That's all we got for today, but be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast so that you get to see exactly when the next episode is released. The rating also really helps other people to see this podcast. 
so we can bring the circular economy to even more. Reach out to me on Twitter at S-T-E-W underscore H-I-L-L-H-O-U-S-E. That's at Stu underscore Hillhouse to suggest more guests for other episodes or just to reach out and say hi. See you next week and thanks for listening.